Welcome to the Fastest 5 Minutes. As in recent episodes, we're going to detour from our usual broad coverage of government contracts issues for lawyers and government contracts executives and focus on the hottest and emerging issues affecting all of us as the coronavirus moves its way through industry and the country. Peter, would you like to tee up the first issue? Yeah, I'd be happy to, David. Thanks so much. So one of the things that we're really looking at right now is the CARES Act, Section 3610, what that means for contractors, and also what it doesn't mean for contractors. We're looking at traditional changes and excusable delays and other types of remedies, but there are a lot of questions right now on 3610 and what it means. David, do you want to talk through some of the latest thinking there? Yeah, thanks, and I think you set it up really nicely, right? So. Typically, contractors would have to go through changes, equitable adjustments, excusable delay, the usual FAR-based contracting remedies. But Section 3610 of the CARES Act allows, and this is permissive, right? It allows government agencies to modify contracts without additional consideration to reimburse contractors for paid leave, sick leave, time spent unable to work because of the impacts of COVID-19 and maintaining the workforce and the company in a ready state which means to reemerge once the crisis abates and get right back to work. So that's wonderful and general, and agencies have issued different agency guidance as they rush to get this money out into the contractor economy and keep these businesses up and running. So what we are watching and what our clients seem most interested in is how do they submit CARES Act invoices? How do they bill and how do they get the money flowing? And understanding that really requires an understanding of the different ways agencies have addressed this. We've seen instructions from Department of Defense, NRO, Director of National Intelligence, NSA, NGA, CIA, you name it. These are the universe of agencies that have issued guidance. And the guidance is, what can be built? Well, all these ready state hours, time spent, unable to work, paid time off, you name it. What is less clear, and to date only one agency expressly talks about this, that's DOD, can you bill for time spent engaged in childcare activities because local schools are closed or caring for elderly relatives because of the effects of state and local shutdowns? Only DOD talks about that specifically as can be billed. Other agencies say expressly, you cannot bill for that. So these are things contractors need to pay attention to because I think the initial reaction was to throw all related time unable to work into a single overhead item. Those are areas that may need to be broken out, and when audits and investigations begin, may need to be separated. The rate at which these CARES invoices can be billed is another question. A lot of agencies are saying you can bill at current contract rates, even though the statute says minimum applicable rate. Some agencies say, well, you have to do the minimum rate by contract location. That's what the NSA says. And agencies initially permitted fee on top of rates and they seem to be backing off of that more recently. Another key issue is whether the contractors need to request equitable adjustment or make an affirmative request before they can start billing. And that varies by contract type and by agency. So you're welcome to contact us and we can walk you through all those moving parts or pay attention to the agency guidance that's coming out. And I think the other thing that needs to be discussed, well, two more things, but the first substantive issue that needs to be discussed is what facilities are covered. Is this just government agencies? What work done on government sites when the sites were shut? No, not quite. Many agencies are qualifying contractor 
facilities. Places that are cleared under the NISPOM, where security clearance, facility security clearance uh, has issued and is based, others are just approved contractor work locations. But that's not universal. You need to pay attention. The last bit of guidance on CARES Act is every last one of these agencies needs a separate certification that these fees, these costs are appropriately billed, that no contractors are double dipping, getting benefit anywhere else. These certifications are magic words of very specific language that needs to be followed and attached to each agency invoice, and the certification is different by agency. So that requires extra special attention to make sure that compliance is in place from day one. And when audits and investigations begin, they're going to look right back to that certification. What did you say? Did you live up to it? Are you looking as a contractor periodically every couple of months, every six months? You name it through September when this billing, CARES Act billing, sunsets by its current terms. And have you done everything right? So these are all the various considerations under 3610. I know that took a while, but there's a lot out there, and it's really important, so we wanted to cover it. I think that covers the waterfront of 3610 from my perspective. Peter, do you have anything to add on that one? No, I think that's a great overview. Maybe just two things, and I'd be interested in your reaction, David. So one of the things that I've noticed is just how important careful reading is. There are some really subtle distinctions between how different agencies are dealing with this. So you can follow one agency's guidance and be perfectly compliant, but then you follow that same practice with a different agency and you're not quite compliant. So this is a real-time moving event, as you alluded to, and I think that's really important and to make sure that folks are thinking through those subtle distinctions. The second is some of the terms are ambiguous. And I, you know, as we say frequently, I think disclosure is your friend. When you're submitting invoices, if you're interpreting ambiguous terms in a certain way, or you're submitting documents to the government as part of these submittals, explaining how you have gotten to your bottom line, show your work, I think is going to be really important when there are audits and investigations two years from now. David, any reaction to that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, many agencies are requiring certain Excel files or specific contextual discussions. But what really gets people sideways, I think, is DOD's guidance that talks about all the ways to direct charge and then expresses a preference for dealing with this in indirects. And that's just not something that can be harmonized. So to your point, on the front end, because DOD requires you to request a contract modification, expressing how you would like to bill and how you think it works and putting everybody on notice of your understanding is going to be vitally important. So I couldn't agree more. I think another issue that contractors are facing and probably the most emerging issue we're dealing with is what are the new orders and new standards for essential businesses nationwide? We see a lot of movement there and a lot of changes, and whether it's efforts to try and open up new industries or efforts to make sure industries stay alive during the shutdown, it's a really day-to-day shifting mark and something we're watching closely. Peter, I know you've been watching that especially closely. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, I'm happy to. I agree. This is this is a day-to-day changing dynamic scene and a really important one. So it basically stems from two realities right now. There is a patchwork of guidance coming from the federal government, specifically CDC, OSHA, FEMA, and many different states and local governments trying to provide guidance on what we're thinking of as sort of the reopening. So what does it mean to 
scale your business back up, or for essential businesses, including many government contractors, what steps should be taken to continue operations in a way that is compliant and consistent with some of these best practices coming out of the federal government? And what it really means is you have to pay attention to each state order in a different way, much as we did during the shelter-in-place or quarantine orders. So things like if people are working close together, you have to have temperature checks. There are some states that are now requiring employers to do temperature checks. That is a brave new world for a lot of companies. There are all sorts of HIPAA implications there. There are also just some foundational issues around what do you do with those test results? What can you share? What must you share? And that's being driven by different states. It's also very much impacting how contractors and others are organizing their workforce. So a lot of companies, in order to reduce density, are choosing to do split shifts. So instead of an eight to four, for example, they're splitting up into two different shifts to reduce density. In some cases, that's required. In some cases, it's strongly encouraged. So even these state-by-state directives, quote-unquote, some have mandatory language. Others have somewhat more permissive language or to the extent practical, or if you can't do X, you have to do Y. There are also certain procedures that companies are choosing to put in place, in some cases must put in place, around managing employees who are symptomatic or employees who indicate that they are uncomfortable because they're in a high-risk category. All sorts of tricky situations are emerging. In many ways, contractors who have been essential have been dealing with those for a couple of weeks, but many who have been fully shut down but are now coming back online are dealing with these orders, which also do apply to those essential businesses. So really what we're trying to work through and work with our clients is thinking through how to manage those in a way that takes into account all of the different considerations from the practical business considerations to some of the HIPAA issues the FDA issues, are we actually doing testing? Are we doing temperature checks? What do we do for visitors versus vendors versus essential others coming from the outside? So a lot there, and it's different for every industry, right? Manufacturing is quite different than healthcare, which is different than retail and all of those different things and trying to piece together that patchwork of guidance. So it's something that we're watching really closely And I know a lot of our clients are as well, but I would put that along with 3610 as as a really key set of issues. David, anything you want to add to that or things you've seen from your standpoint? No, I think we've covered that really nicely as you set it up. But I will sort of brag on on your efforts. And we have a group of people following this nationwide on a day-by-day basis and keeping track of these. It takes a lot of work. And we've got a pretty darn good collection here that evolves moment to moment. So if anybody needs help with these issues, whether it's tracking, making sense of them, or, or sounding boards, please do reach out to us. We'd be delighted to put you in touch with the team covering your geographic location. And I think that's it for this edition. We know we've run long, but these are vitally important issues, and we can't tell you how many times a day, much less an hour, we're getting called on them. So we hope this is helpful to you. We wish you health. We wish you safety. And we look forward to seeing you all on the other side of this. In the meantime, we'll bring you the key developments as they happen. If you have any questions in the meantime, before the next episode, Peter can be reached at 
602-624-2807. And I can be reached at 202-624-2627. Take care. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. <laughs>